Um, besides my Irish going down yesterday, um, luckily, uh, not luckily, I shouldn't say it like that, but, but IU basketball had a, had a tough week. Right? Yeah. Um, and I would suggest if you're a true fan of the game of basketball anywhere, everywhere, right, people are saddened by the, the, the loss and the death of the great coach, Bobby Knight. Robert Montgomery Knight, a.k.a. The General. Three national championships, 11 Big Ten titles, all while at the helm of Indiana University basketball. With his trademark red sweater, um, in the 70s he wore a plaid coat. Just saying, I saw the videos. But with his trademark red sweater, um, Coach Knight was a complex person and had a lengthy record of outbursts. Throwing the chair might have been my favorite highlight, but there were several to choose from. And of course, there are endless quips and retorts and rants from the sidelines or from interviews or from press conferences that leave us amused at the legendary coach. So um, there's lots of of places online that put stuff up, but uh, I came across Bleacher Report, bleacherreport.com, and they have what they called some of the 20 best quotes of Bobby Knight. And I just just wanna share some of these with you. Um, This one is regarding his feelings about the NBA. If the NBA was on Channel 5, and a bunch of frogs making love were on Channel 4. I'd watch the frogs, even if they were coming in fuzzy. (laughs) Bobby Knight. (laughs) On regrets, he says, I don't have to wait until the next morning to regret something I did that was kind of dumb. So we know he's, you know, he's got some sense to him, right? But he didn't like sports writers. So this is what he says to sports writers. All of us learn to write in the second grade. Most of us go on to do greater things. (laughs) On drug tests, he said this to the student assembly. If I were in charge, I'd test all of you, son. Um, I can't say that part. Not just the athletes. (laughs) On self-control, he said this. I don't think I have ever been out of control. <laughs> and here's my favorite one. This is this, the one that I mean. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want them to bury me upside down so my critics can... <laughs> it's church, I can't say it. <laughs> the general. <laughs> he was passionate about the game of basketball, was he not? And there are many stories about his compassion for other people. You know, they never got highlighted, but there were lots of stories about that. And to be very clear, um, Coach Bobby Knight was never, ever fickle, right? You knew where Bobby Knight stood about almost anything. 
the reason why I'm <laughs> talking about Bobby Knight is, first of all, because guys like sports. That's why I'm talking about it. No, <laughs> not really. Um, no, um, our text today shows Jesus in what we would call a passionate rant. It's a passionate rant that Jesus is very clear here, right? And, and here's the thing. Anyone who imagines Jesus to be a meek and mild pushover, you have not read scriptures. Right? And this is a clear example of that. Jesus is passionate about God's mission, his voice, we say softly and tenderly calling, certainly could soothe those who are mistreated or ill. But to those whom he felt were abusing God's intentions, Jesus could be just downright insulting and loud, right? Turning over tables loud. And one thing we know about Jesus is that he didn't mince words. And if he was angry, which he was from time to time, like in our text, you knew it. So in our text today, Jesus is passionate. He's compassionate and he is angry. And his, angry, his anger is directed at the powers that be, church leaders and temple managers, preachers and teachers whom he feels are abusing their power and status who are misdirecting people. But if you heard in our text, interestingly, Jesus tells his listeners that they should follow the teachings because the Pharisees and scribes sit on Moses' seat. Now, I don't want to get hung up on this, but it's important not to overlook it as well, right? The synagogue leaders spoke Moses' words and teachings. They, they spoke the Torah. Right? And so on one hand, Moses' seat could literally be a seat or a piece of furniture that the scrolls of Scripture are placed in or, or sat on. Right? On the other hand, metaphorically, Moses' seat could be the controls of accessibility to God's Word. Right? In other words, most people were illiterate. They couldn't read. And you couldn't even get a copy of the Torah if you wanted one. There wasn't Amazon, right? It wasn't readily available. So, when Jesus says, do whatever they teach or read from the Scriptures and follow it, that makes sense. Because what he's saying is, listen and do what the Scriptures say that are declared from Moses' seat. But Jesus follows that advice up with another statement. Right? He says, but do not do as they do. Do not practice what they teach or what they read from scriptures. Because they don't do it, right? I said that wrong. For they do not practice what they teach or what they read from scriptures. Jesus calls them hypocrites. Those who say one thing, but do another. You know, those that say they love everyone, but they don't. 
Those who say they treat everyone the same, but they won't. And so Jesus, who again, I told you, he's going to die in a couple of days, is holding nothing back. He is holding nothing back, right? And he goes on a Bobby Knight-worthy kind of rant. And that's what I read to you in verse 4. He says, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They claim these people have to do all these things, but they will not help the people that are doing them. They're they're not going to lift a finger to make it easier for other people. He goes on to say, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. They make their phylacteries broad. Now, I had to look that word up. I thought it was part of the reproductive system, phylacteries. It kind of sounds like it, doesn't it? Phylacteries? All right, it's not. It's a, all right, all right. Phylacteries are, are these uh, little boxes that the priests would, they would tie them to the wrists and tie them to their hats. They would wear these phylacteries, and they had little scrolls rolled in them, scrolls that contained Scripture. Right? And they were, could be really, really small, or they could be larger. I kind of um, um, uh, compare it to, remember boom boxes? Yeah, boom boxes, yeah. So whoever had the biggest boom box back in the day, right? You turned yours down and someone had a big one, right? Mine had like, it took 30 batteries to run it, 30, 30 D batteries, right? And uh, you put it on your shoulder. It was a tape deck, right? And you had to have the walk. You know, boom, 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 right? Love it, right? Love it, right? And then someone else comes along with a bigger one, right? So then you turn yours down and put it to the side and walk by till they get past Right? And then you can turn yours back on, right? What does that have to do with phylacteries? Good question. Right? <clears throat> the, point, <laughs> the point is that today, right, now you got these little stereos. They're, they're, um, they're wireless, right? I did a wedding yesterday, and a little stereo like that was louder than my boombox from 1985. It was impressive, right? Um, but anyway, the phylacteries, the, the, the leaders would wear these long, uh, wear these larger phylacteries. And so because it made them look like they were more pious, the larger your phylactery was. I still can't help but think reproductive, sorry. Anyway, uh, fringes, and they also had fringes, so uh, I don't have, oh, like this, like tassels, right? Tassels. Right? They had these tassels on their robes, right? And they would make them longer. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, hey, my tassel's longer than your tassel, right? That's what they used to draw attention to themselves. So Jesus is like, that's what they do. And they love places of honor at banquets and the best seats, and they want to be greeted with respect, right? So Jesus is berating them. He's berating them because of the way they treat others. Because they're not actually helping people improve their lot in life, or any part of their life, for that matter. He's berating them because they love power and status and titles, right? For their lack of humility and their lack of compassion, 
for leading people astray and guiding them to betray God with unloving actions towards others. They guided people not to associate with people. Don't go by the lepers. Don't go by that person, a tax collector, a prostitute, a Samaritan, a person of color, whatever you want to call it. Don't go by those people. Right? That was their religion. Jesus is laying into them because Jesus is passionate about God's mission, about God's people, and about practicing love, mercy, and justice in everyday life, not just on Sundays. He's passionate about living out the faith in real life. It requires your whole self, your whole being, and he doesn't hold back. When God says love and show mercy and justice to all people, God means all people. There's no just these people. It's all people. God doesn't mean for us to judge others. God doesn't need us to decide who is or who isn't worthy. Who needs to be kept out? God doesn't need us to separate ourselves from others because we somehow think we are better or they are worse. God means for us to love everybody. Jesus is passionate about God's people, about God's love. And about how we're supposed to live that out. In the last verse, he says, the greatest among you will be your servant. You don't do it by being in front or being the center of attention. You do it by just helping people. So today we celebrate the Sunday that we call All Saints Sunday. And this is the day that we honor the people of faith who have come before us as we continue to attempt to walk in their footsteps. I mean, literally. When I was a child, my, um, my dad would come home and he would place his shoes by the door. And I would take my shoes and put them in his shoes. I mean, to this day, I'm still trying to do that. Right? When we talk about all saints, we're talking about the people that taught us how to love, that taught us grace, that taught us how to forgive, that taught us about life. This is no minor holiday. If you've loved someone, this is an important holiday. Because you are who you are because of the saints 
that we remember. You are not, you can't be anybody different without the fact that those people were in your lives and they make a difference. I mean, I think of all the names on our list, and I, I can't tell stories about everybody, but I, but I got to tell stories about a few because, you know, it's like, we, we remember Don Thur, right? And in four weeks, we're going to have our lighting the, the display out here, right? He came last year, and then he sat at 101 years old, he sat on Santa's lap, right? He died a week later. But he loved children. It was in his heart. That's why we had the display. It's because he wanted children to be excited about the true meaning of Christmas. Jim and Janine Gibbons, right? Uh, Janine's service, we got to hear about how she uh, orchestrated the bringing the Samaritan to Fort Wayne, the helicopter, right? Now, you may not think that's a big deal, but we went to the graveside, and a, one of the funeral directors says, guess what? The Samaritan saved my daughter. She's 30 today because the Samaritan came and rescued her. And that Samaritan happened because of the heart of Janine Gibbons. I mean, I think about the list of people, the Leon Schmitz and, and um, uh, Jeannie Popoffs, you know, they couldn't do a lot of things, but they prayed constantly for other people, always asking for the prayer list, right? I think about Todd, right? I still see Todd on that mission trip, right? First of all, he's probably like, Pastor Tim, what the heck do you get me into? All these kids, right? Kids. They stink, they're grouchy, and they got an attitude. But he loved every minute of it. We loved every minute of it, right? It changed his life to be with those kids, and it was so important to him. Saints have impacted our lives. And, and here's the thing. Here's why that matters. There's another Bible passage that we had today. We, we read it at the first service, but we didn't get to read it here. But it's from 1 John in the third chapter. And this is what it says. <clears throat> See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Now, I could preach a whole another sermon on that. Don't worry, I won't. I won't. But, no, but, but, but what I want you to do is pick up the importance of what is said there. Listen to this. See what the love of God has given us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. There is nothing, nothing, there are no rules that you can follow well enough to be called children of God. It is because of God's love that you are a child of God now. There's, there's nothing, 
There's nothing you've done. There's nothing I've done. You're a child of God because God loves you. Or as John 3.16 says, because God loved the world. You are a child of God. Right? You're loved because the ones before us have loved us so deeply. But even more than that, we're loved because we know a God of love that has created us, that has given everything, even his own son, to die on a cross because he loves you. And that makes you saints. And that's quite a gift. And with that, I'm going to give a prayer of thanks right here. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for a love that is so indescribable. And most times it's incomprehensible that you love us just because you love us. What a gift. Help us to embrace that. Help us to receive that gift. Help that gift to change our hearts in a way that we can honor those who have taught us about you, who have loved us like you, and help us turn that into love for others. No judgment. Just love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.